0: Welcome to episode 15 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. If you have not already viewed episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so, since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding Revelation and this series. In this chapter, St. John's perspective changes. He is once again standing on earth, looking up to heaven, when at the start of chapter 10, he sees a mighty angel holding a little book. The chapter is another interlude between major events in St. John's narrative, in this case coming before the sounding of the seventh trumpet. The illustration throughout most of this episode is The Mighty Angel with the Little Book, an illumination in tempera and gold on parchment from the early 11th century revelation manuscript The Bamberg Apocalypse as it appears on page 84 in the Companion AIC bookstore publication, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I have divided the reading from chapter 10 into two parts, beginning with verses 1 through 7. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. John once again begins with the first person phrase, I saw. The description of the mighty angel in verse 1, with face shining like the sun, a rainbow around his head, and pillars of fire for his feet, has both Old Testament and New Testament precedents. Old Testament precedents are Ezekiel 1, 1-28, Ezekiel's vision of God coming in swirling clouds, ending with verse 28 with this, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and the account in genesis nine seventeen in which the Lord promised not to destroy the earth by flood again, giving the rainbow as the sign. John used the same image of a rainbow around the head of a vision of the one who sat on the throne in Revelation four verse three, discussed in episode nine. In the opening verse describing the descent of the mighty angel, St. John again, as in Revelation 1.15 and 2.18, uses the phrase pillars of fire, also called pillar or pillars of cloud, to describe the feet of the angel, suggesting a sign of the divine authority of the pillar of fire which led the Israelites out of Egypt and protected their rear guard in Exodus 13, verse 22, Exodus 14, verse 19, and Nehemiah 14, verse 14, and which was present at the opening of the Temple of Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, verses 1 and 2. The New Testament precedent is found in St. Matthew's account of the Transfiguration, which was witnessed by three apostles, including St. John. And there is this from Matthew 17, verse 2. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. In the illustration from the Oxford Psalter, produced in the early 13th century A.D., John stands in an oval signifying the glory of the Lord between Elijah on his right hand and Moses on his left with James, John, and Peter. The three apostles who accompanied Jesus to Mount Tabor prone at his feet. In verse 2, the angel, holding a little book in his hand, stands majestically astride the land and the seas, much like the Colossus of Rhodes, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world from the 3rd century B.C. The image suggests the universality of God and is repeated in verses 5b and 8b. The little book, as will be demonstrated in verses 8, 9, and 10, is a book or scroll bearing the word of God. The statement in verse 3 that the angel's voice roared like a lion Sounds much like Jeremiah's prophecy spoken at the instruction of the Lord in Jeremiah 25, verse 30. Say to them, the Lord will roar from on high. He will roar mightily against his fold. The prophet Joel used the same term in Joel 3:16. The illustrations for this and the next slide are 18th century tempera and gold panel icons of Jeremiah and Joel at Kizhi Monastery in the Karelia region of northwest Russia. The prophet Amos wrote this in Amos 1, verse 2. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn and the top of Mount Carmel withers. Numerology is back in the form of the magical number seven. In verse three, John said that there were seven thunders, suggestive of the thunderings and lightnings in Exodus 19, verse 16, signs of the presence of the Lord as discussed in episode three in reference to John's vision in Revelation 1, verse 10b. An Old Testament precedent is Psalm 29, verse 3, quoted from the 1928 Book of Common Prayer text. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. It is the glorious God that maketh the thunder. A New Testament precedent is St. John's own gospel account of Jesus' relationship with his Father, Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. That's John 12, verses 28 and 29. The illustration is St. John writing his gospel, an illustration in egg tempera and gold leaf on vellum from the Rohan hours prepared in France in the early 15th century. We never learn what it was that the voices of the seven thunders said, because John, as he was about to write it down, is told by the angel in verse 4 to seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. The Old Testament precedent is the instruction to Daniel in the twelfth and final chapter of Daniel that there are more mysteries yet to be revealed. The illustration is another 18th century tempera on gold icon this time of Daniel from the iconostasis at Kiji Monastery, Karelia, Russia. The New Testament precedent for the idea of mysteries beyond human comprehension or ability to put into thought or words is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 3 and 4, where St. Paul wrote this, And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up in paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Similar expressions by St. Paul regarding divine mysteries are found in Romans 16, verses 25 and 26, 1 Corinthians 2, 7, Ephesians 3, verse 9, and Colossians 1, verse 26. In verse 5, the angel raises his hand and swears an oath and speaks a form of doxology, literally, words of praise to the Lord. The Old Testament precedent for the content and manner Of such oaths goes all the way back to Abram's encounter with the mysterious figure Melchizedek in Genesis 14, verse 22. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. The prophet Daniel similarly refers to an oath to quote him who lives forever in Daniel 12, verse 7. The illustration for this and the next slide is a 15th century oil on canvas of the meeting by Dieric the Elder. In verse 6, the angel, like Abraham, acknowledges God as immortal, him who lives forever and ever, and acknowledges God as creator of heaven, earth, and sea, and all that is in each. This acknowledgment of the universality of God may have been suggested in the way the angel stands, one foot in the sea, one foot on the land, in verses 2b, 5a, and will again in verse 8b. In verses 6b and 7, the angel issues a warning, there should be delay no longer, and announces that when the seventh angel sounds the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. The seventh angel that is referred to here will not come until chapter 11, verses 15 to 19. The angel's warning means that the end times, or day of the Lord, foretold by the prophets Daniel Ezekiel, Amos, and Joel, and many others, and referred to several times earlier by St. John, and explained in a detailed list in episode 13 in Revelation 8, are near. Perhaps this could be seen as a coming of justice for those taking refuge under the altar in Revelation 6, verses 10 to 11, and which I discussed in episode 9. The second set of verses from chapter 10 is verses 8 through 11. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many people's nations, tongues, and kings. Readers often miss the fact that in verses 8 through 11, there are now three characters. The voice from heaven, the angel from the Greek angelos, meaning messenger, and St. John, who stands on earth looking up to heaven. The voice which speaks from heaven in verse 8 is God the Father. Suggesting the same voice who spoke with Jesus, and which was discussed earlier in this episode in the context of thundering and lightning, and also the voice who invited John to, quote, come up here in Revelation 4, verse 1. The universality of God is indicated again when a third reference is made to the angel with one foot on the land and one in the sea. Go take the little book which is opened in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. The little book is the book or scroll from Revelation 10, verse 2, which is the revealed word of God. Few of the many discourses in Revelation have caused as much confusion in the minds of readers, past and present, than the exchange between John and the angel in verse 9. In verse 9a, John asks the angel to give me the little book. In verse 9b, the angel instructs him to take and eat it, warning that the book will be sweet as honey in the mouth, but bitter in his stomach. Just as in the letter to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3, the lukewarm church, in Revelation three thirteen to 33 and discussed in episode 8, especially in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Again, like that verse, the imagery is strongly poetic and strongly spiritual. In the AIC bookstore publication, Christian Spirituality and Anglican Perspective, I explain the essential principles and spiritual warrants for the underlying duality, I call it, of Christian spirituality. On the one side, reality of evil in the world, and on the other, Christian truth as its only antidote, and its corollary, the necessity for internalizing the beliefs of the Christian faith as a defense against the world's rampant assault on christianity or as luke reports of saint mary at the birth of jesus in luke 2:19, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart the sweetness like honey to which the angels refers is the blessing of receiving the revelation of god's word which is the little book the bitter taste in john's stomach represents the imminent coming of judgment, and the sufferings which the angels have foretold earlier in Revelation, in chapter 9, verses 15 and 18, of the death of one-third of mankind. Now John employs another dramatist's device, the false ending. Just as God's servants Job, Mary, and Joseph as well, were obedient to God's instruction, John does what was commanded and eats the little book, confirming in verse 10 that it was both sweet and bitter, as was foretold. The true climax comes in verse 11, when John is again given the role of seer, or as I noted in earlier episodes, the seer in Revelation 4, when he is told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. That is a phrase which appears several times in one form or another in Revelation, and it should be understood that tongues means languages or the languages of the Gentiles and not a form of charismatic speaking in unknown and incomprehensible languages. Thank you for joining me for episode 15 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Next time, in episode 16, the focus is on chapter 11, the account of the two witnesses and the seventh trumpet. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode include from the AIC Bible Study Video Series, New Testament Gospels. In episode 41, as part of an examination of unique details in the Gospel of John, I examine John's writing concerning the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. In the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints' first series, St. Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, is the focus of episode 5. From the AIC bookstore presentations from the companion volume to this series, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation, presented in 214 pages with 52 illustrations, 51 of them from the Bamberg Apocalypse, and the full text of chapter 10, and the illustration on page 84, and on page 88, a special text box, Nations, Tribes, People and tongues in Revelation. My primer on numerology in Revelation is found on pages 7 through 11. From other AIC bookstore publications, including Christian spirituality mentioned in the text, in the writing prophets of the Old Testament, the major prophets mentioned in this episode include Jeremiah in part 2, chapter 2, Ezekiel in part 2, chapter 3 in Daniel Part 2, Chapter 4, plus two of the minor prophets in Part 3, including Joel in Chapter 2 and Amos in Chapter 3. In the prayer book, Psalter, history, text, and commentary, Psalm 29, a Psalm of David, and the ninth of ten Passion Psalms is found on pages 64 to 65. And finally, in Lamas' lexicon, Key words of interest are almighty, angels archangels, creator, doxology, father, glory, majesty, numerology, spirituality, tongues, and word. The key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, where we've made it easier for you to learn about Christian education, doctrine, worship, and study using your preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series Using the links on either the digital library or Bible study pages. If you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our videos using the links on the podcast archive page, or to our podcast homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer using the links on the podcast homilies page. If you prefer written works, you can access any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications, all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions, using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage, or directly using my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash, right slash, author, right slash Ronald. Hyphen e hyphen Shibley. Everything after .com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www. Anglican Internet Church, accessible through the Father Ron's Blog tab at the top or the bottom of any page on the site. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address, and receive notice of all new postings. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other organization, and you can ask for the removal of your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.